So a few weeks ago, in the message, I made the mistake of making a joke about country music. And uh, I got some backlash. Uh, Some of you guys kind of just said, hey, stop hating on country music. And then there are some others of you who sort of acted like I insulted your mama. Um, I got some people kind of taking some retribution here. In fact, uh, there's one person in particular. I'm not going to tell you who this is, uh, but she's one of our greeters. She's married to a guy named Mike. My wife and I have known her since elementary school. Her last name used to be Contes, and uh, her, rhyme name, her name rhymes with Bessica. So uh, she has decided to act with some revenge here, and basically her plan is to put a country music video on my Facebook wall every single day for the next 30 days. And so she began doing this, and I realized that she's not just trying to get me to like country music, she's actually going for revenge. I realized this because uh, one of the country music, I think it was the first video she put up, was a song by Kenny Chesney called Young, and just the first few lines show me she's just angry. Look what it says, looking back now, well, it makes me laugh, we were growing our hair. So thank you, Bessica, I appreciate that. But you know what I realize as I think about country music, um, there are a lot of broken-hearted people in country music. Isn't that true? I mean, come on. Country music is about a bunch of broken-hearted people. In fact, before there was Miley Cyrus, there was Billy Ray Cyrus. Anybody remember his famous hit? Achy, breaky, heart, right? Let's read some of these words. Here we go. You can tell your mom I moved to Arkansas. You can tell your dog to bite my leg. Or tell your brother Cliff, whose fist can tell my lip. He never really liked me anyway. Or tell your Aunt Louise, tell anything you please. Myself already knows I'm not okay, but don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart. I just don't think you don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he'd understand. And if you tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart, he might blow up and kill this man. So there it is. Broken heartedness, right? Um, there was a, a, a song that was put out back by Rascal Flatts in 2006, and it was based on an old joke about country music, and it was called Backwards. And they talked about if you play a country song backwards, what happens? And here's what they said. You get your house back, you get your dog back, you get your best friend Jack back, you get your Chuck back, you get your hair back. So i got to start playing some music backwards, apparently. But there are some brokenhearted people in country music. And you know what? I think that there are some brokenhearted people here today. Now, some of you know you're brokenhearted. You walked in a mess. You woke up, and, and, and there were tears this morning, and there was crying, and there was pain, and there was anguish, and there was, oh, God, heal my heart. But there are several of us. In fact, I would guess more of us than realize that walked in today with some broken places in our heart that we just don't even know are there. And there was something somebody once said that stuck with us. We didn't realize it. There was something somebody once did that broke our heart. We just had no clue. It had those ramifications. There was a loss that took place in our life, and we didn't realize it's been messing with us to this point. We've just been living life. We, we thought we dealt with it, or maybe we just sort of thought we pushed it aside to the appropriate degree. It wouldn't come back and show itself again. But, but there are some broken places in our heart that we just didn't even realize were there. Rejected by somebody, pushed away by somebody. We just didn't realize it was still messing with our hearts today. And there's a couple of things we don't realize about when our hearts are broken. One of the things we don't realize is that when our hearts are broken, broken stuff comes out of our hearts, right? We don't even realize that sometimes. Another thing we don't realize is that when there are places in our hearts that are broken, we turn to broken things to try to fix them. So let's talk about that for a second. Some of us, the broken things that come out of our heart, one of them is anger. I know this is one of my top struggles in life, is just anger coming out of my heart. You You ever just react? You're like, why'd that just come out of me? Where did that come from? Why, why did I respond in that way? I, the person I'm talking to that, that I took my anger out, I love that person. And they're not even the person that hurt me. But yet, why did that anger just come out of my heart? 
Maybe it's because there's a broken place in your heart. Maybe some things like unforgiveness are a result of some broken places in our hearts. Some things like gossip, things that come out of us, broken things that come out of us because we have some broken places in our hearts. And then there are the things we turn to, right? We turn to some things because of the brokenness in our lives. Some of us have turned to sex because of brokenness in our lives. Now, sex is a wonderful, awesome gift. Too too, uh, frequently in church, we hear everybody coming down on sex. Sex is an awesome, amazing thing that God has given us. But so often we turn to it in our brokenness, not in health. Or we turn to a, a relationship we know we don't belong in because of some broken places in our heart. And we're just trying to find acceptance We're just trying to find some love, maybe love that a spouse never gave us or a parent never gave us. We're trying to find some acceptance. We're trying to find someone that cares, and so we turn to that. And maybe you're here today saying, man, I've been trying to be pure for so long, my my whole life or my whole Christian life, or or maybe you're here today, you're not a follower of Jesus, like I've been trying to figure out this purity thing, and and maybe what what if one of the roots of turning to these things is actually the broken places in your heart? I've heard it so many times. I've heard people's stories so many times say, man, you know, this happened in my childhood or that happened in my adulthood and I was so rejected that I turned to this. I turned to some kind of a relationship or some type of trying to find my value because, hey, guys would give me attention, girls would give me attention, I couldn't find it any other way. So maybe some of the reason we turn to that isn't just because we have a lust issue, maybe it's a broken issue. So maybe we need to think about that a little bit here today. Another thing I think that we turn to is some of us, we go to sort of the extremes of drug and alcohol. And, and hey, there's some people in this room, I can guarantee it, not because I know your story, but in a room this size, there are some people in here that are turning these things because of brokenness in our hearts. And, and this is sort of like, I don't know how to fix my heart, so let me turn to some things that can numb it out a little bit. Get some little temporary relief. And so we turn to some of those things. Some of us, it's just material things. And this is tough because, you know, it's like, I'm I'm just going to go buy something, you know? And that doesn't sound as dangerous as drugs or alcohol or sex, right? But it's just as dangerous. I'm going to go drown my sorrows in something new and flashy and shiny to distract myself for a while. So instead of dealing with that broken place in our heart, we're simply trying to just distract ourselves. You know what some of us do? We actually turn to food. Because food sometimes is the only thing in our life we can control, right? It's like I can't control how my boss is treating me. I can't control how much my body hurts right now from sickness. But I can sure as heck put this yodel in my mouth, right? And I can drink a half gallon of milk right out the carton. I can do that. I can control that, right? And so that's what we do because of some of the broken places in our hearts. Now, I don't know if any of those rang true with you. But maybe there are some other things you turn to. What do you turn to? What are the broken places in your heart attracted to and drawn to? Or what are the broken things that are coming out of your heart? I tell you, I was on a men's retreat about two months ago. And I learned, sitting there in the seat, that I had some really broken places in my heart. And I learned that anger was flying out of my life because of some of the brokenness in my heart that I just hadn't dealt with. And so God just began to stir this up in me and began to ask me and and convict me to apply to my life what I want to talk with you about here today. And I hope that it encourages you and I hope that it challenges you and I hope that it heals you because the truth is, is that all the things I just mentioned that we turn to are band-aids at best, but they're poison at worst, right? They'll cover over some of the pain, sure, for a little while. We all know, though, band-aids come off, right? Band-Aids don't stay on forever. You jump in a pool, right? Take a shower. Right? Eventually that thing's coming off. And so the band-aids on our hearts come off too. 
But some of the things we turn to are straight up poison. And they actually make our wounds worse. They actually poison our hearts more. And so what do we do with all this? Like, what if God wants to be in the equation here? What if God is the answer that we're looking for? And, and I think some of the questions that come up when we start to bring God into a conversation like this is, well, is God qualified to handle this? Can God handle my broken heart, right? I mean, is he, he, like, is there a resume out somewhere? Or is there somewhere I can look at his, his past uh, hearts that he's touched or healed? Is there, is there some way I can find out if he can be trusted? Because my heart is very fragile, right? A lot of us maybe wouldn't say that. But, but who I trust my heart to is a big deal. So is God qualified to heal my heart? And I think the other question that comes up is, is God interested in healing my heart? Is he interested in it? Is it does it even matter to him? I mean, you know, there's kind of a lot going around going on in the world around us, right? There's kind of a lot of things happening. I mean, doesn't God have kind of some bigger things on his plate than my achy, breaky heart, right? I mean, I mean, there's wars and there's famines, and my goodness, we're left with Hillary and, and Trump as candidates. Doesn't he have to do something about that, please? Help, help us, Lord, right? I mean, we got some issues. We got some things going on right now. I mean, he can't really care about my heart, can he? So we're going to look today and answer these questions. Is God qualified to deal with your broken heart? Is he, is he interested in healing your broken heart. And this is so important that we talk about this because when we walk around with broken hearts, we either hurt ourselves or we hurt others. Normally both. And today we don't want to talk about a band-aid and we, don't, we certainly don't want to fill our hearts with more poison. No, we want to find healing. And so this morning we want to talk about the truth that maybe God is the answer in all this. And, and maybe many of us would even have said that. Like if someone came to us and said, hey man, I just have an issue with my heart. It's all broken apart. We'd say, you need to turn to God. And it's kind of like, well, duh, yeah, of course that's the answer. But here I am, 38 years old, been a Christian almost my whole life, been a pastor for a long time, and I'm sitting in the men's retreat a few months ago going, I haven't allowed God to heal the brokenness in my heart. And so while we may know the theological answer, I don't know how many of us are applying that answer. And so today, let's talk about this, and let's look at what God might want to do. Because the truth is, I think that many of us have heart, holes in our heart, while God wants us to have hearts that are whole. I think that's where many of us are at today. And we've been walking around kind of thinking, eh, well, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm just going to kind of keep on living life this way, and I think I've dealt with things. And suddenly, something comes flying out of us we did not even see coming. And God is saying, I have a better way for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're in on this, right? You, you have holes in your heart too. You have a broken heart from different things that have happened in your life too. And what if God is the answer for you as well? And so we're going to look at Psalm 147 today. And this is a great place to find out if God is qualified and interested in healing our broken hearts. And, and we actually don't know who wrote this psalm. Like often when you look at, at the beginning of a psalm, it'll say written by David or Asaph or Moses or whoever it might be. But um, here we actually don't know who wrote this psalm. What we do know, though, is that the writer is really excited about what God has done for the brokenhearted people of Israel. Okay? So we've talked about this actually a lot recently. In the imagery series, we talked about this a lot. The fact that in 606 B.C., some people came in and took a bunch of the Israelites and took them captive to Babylon, right? And then about 10 years later, it happened again. And then about 10 years later, in 586 B.C., it happened again. But this time, Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he not only took people, but he destroyed Jerusalem, okay? So here we have a brokenhearted nation. They've been taken. I asked you to do this a few weeks ago. Just imagine that this is you. Imagine people come in. They take you. They take your kids, they take your parents, they take your family, and you're in exile now. You're, you're captive in a land that's not your home. 
Just imagine being in that place. And so these are some brokenhearted people. They've been through a lot. And it seems that in, uh, in around 539 B.C., Babylon was conquered. And the rulers that came in said you know, you know, to the Israelites, you know what? You can go back home. You can go back home. And God did this. This was God turning the hearts of these leaders to do this. And so it seems that this psalm was written about the time that the Israelites have come back to Jerusalem. They've been gone for 70 years. They've come back now. And they're trying to begin to rebuild Israel. Or Jerusalem, rather, sorry. And Psalm 147, verse 1, we start to get into this psalm. It says, Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. And so the psalmist just starts out, he's fired up. He's excited about what God's doing in Israel. He's excited because God is doing something to put the pieces back together in this brokenhearted people. Verse 2 says this, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. Okay, so we've got to think about this for a second, right? We've got to put ourselves there. So you have, the, you have God building up Jerusalem again. You have him gathering back the people who had been taken away from their homeland. Now, think about how brokenhearted these people must have been. Why were they brokenhearted? Well, several reasons. They had lost loved ones, right? I mean, think about it. When Nebuchadnezzar rolled into Israel and he destroys Jerusalem, he took the survivors to Babylon. What does that mean? That means there were some people that were not survivors, That means that some people are in Babylon now as prisoners without loved ones because they were killed in Jerusalem. So these are some brokenhearted people. These are also people who had been separated from their loved ones, right? Think about it, right? If in 606 B.C. the first people were taken, then 596, then 586, that's about a 20-year span of people being taken from Israel to Babylon. And so there's a good chance that some people were taken in 606, let's say grandpa and grandma were taken in 606, and, and maybe, you know, you, as, as, as their grandchild, wasn't taken until 586. So there's been a season of 20 years where you haven't seen grandma and grandpa. There's a season of, of 20 years where maybe spouses were separated, okay? And, and just think about it. This is like a long time ago. This is the pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook, right? So you can't just get to Babylon 20 years after your wife got there and start tweeting, hey, I'm hanging out by Nebuchadnezzar's gardens. Hope to see you tonight. Hashtag date night, right? Like, not gonna happen, right? When you get there, you gotta find your wife. You gotta find your husband, your kids, your grandparents, your spouse, right? And so this is a people who are heartbroken, right? Uh, Another reason they're heartbroken is because there are some people that died in Babylon and never returned to Israel. And so you got to imagine that some people are, 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 they're excited to go back to Israel. They're excited that God's brought the nation back and they're not captive anymore. But they're going back without their spouse. They're going back without their child. Or they're going back without maybe a father or mother. And so these people have been through a lot. Also, think about this. They came back to a destroyed city, right? They came back to Jerusalem, which has been in rubble for at least 50 years. And so they come back and, and they, everything's broken. I don't know about you, every time I drive past the New York skyline, I, I'm reminded of what happened on 9-11 because there are buildings missing. And I can only imagine these people coming back to not two buildings being destroyed, but their entire city being destroyed. So these are some brokenhearted people that have come back. And yet here the psalmist is excited because he's saying, the Lord's bringing us back. The Lord's building us up again. He's returned the exiles to Israel. And let's jump down to verse four now. He determines the number of the stars, and calls them each by name, okay? So here the, the, the writer is all excited about what God's doing in Israel, but then he just kind of like starts to praise God for his power in creation and his power over what he's doing in the universe. And he starts to, he starts to say, hey, 
he, he numbers the stars, calls them by name, right? And I guess in my mind as I'm reading this psalm, I'm thinking, well, that makes God pretty qualified. If he can call the stars by name, I think he can handle my heart, right? If he can number all the stars and call them out by name, then he's pretty interested in detail, no? There's a good bit of stars out there. There are at least 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone, and there are at least 100 billion galaxies in our observable universe, so I'm going to tell you how many stars that is. I want you to write this down on your phone or on your, okay? That's a lot of stars. Okay? Got that? Did you all write that down? No, it's actually 10 billion trillion stars. That's a lot of stars, okay? God's qualified, powerful enough to call them out loud, interested enough to know every name. Let's look at verse 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. That makes him qualified in power. Can he handle my heart? Can he handle those broken places? Well, he's limitless in power. Can he, can he handle, though, the, the intricacies and, and the delicateness of my heart? Well, he's limitless in understanding, too. See, this is really important. We're going to dive headlong into this next week. We're really going to go for this next week. But, but can you just hear me for a second? God gets you. He understands your broken heart. He understands why it's broken. Maybe your spouse doesn't get it, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your, your grandkids, maybe they don't get it. God gets why your heart is broken. His understanding is limitless, which means his understanding in how to put the pieces back together is also without limit. So God is qualified. He's interested. Then it says in verse six, the Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. So the psalmist, again, is writing about relating to people. He was talking about nature for a while. He's back to people here. And if I could just talk to the guys for a minute in the room. I mean, I think this verse applies to everybody. But I think, guys here in the room, we have a really hard time humbling ourselves to the point, right, where we're willing to share our brokenness with God and other people. And I love that it says that the Lord sustains the humble. And in this process of of dealing with the brokenness in your heart, you have to be willing to humble yourself and first even admit that there are broken places in you. And so guys in the room especially, I mean, again, this is everybody, but, but guys in the room, to get to the point where we're willing to say, it killed me that my parents never said they loved me. Or they loved me, but I lost them too soon. Or my heart was ripped out when my spouse cheated on me. Or... My heart was destroyed when my kids said or acted like they didn't want anything to do with me. Or I was completely humiliated by what that boss said in front of all my coworkers. Just getting to that place where we acknowledge humbly before God that there are broken places in our heart. And the choice is ours, guys. I mean, we can kind of keep that tough exterior up. But we pay for it, and our spouses pay for it, and our kids pay for it. And for those of you who are younger, your parents pay for it, and grandparents, your grandkids pay for it, and the people you work with pay for it. There's a better way, and it comes with a humbling of our heart. And I know there's some women in the room that struggle with this too, but guys, we kind of are known for this, right? Being tough, or at least that's sort of the image we're supposed to portray out there. But God's saying, hey, I just want you to know that I sustain the humble. And so I would encourage you guys and and women here in the room that we humble ourselves before God and we let him do what he so badly desires to do in us. And he sustains us. That means he's qualified and he's interested. 
Verse 7 and 8, sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. Listen to this. Going back to nature and God's power in nature. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. So the psalmist is just celebrating the power of God again. And again, I think he's qualified here. I don't know anybody else who can cover the sky with clouds, right? Uh, when's the last time you were at the beach? Hopefully you go often. My, my family and I, we, we try to get down to the beach often. Um, we don't really do so much the hot billion degree weather, laying on the sand, getting crushed by the waves. We like to go at night when pretty much everybody else is gone and it's cooling down. But man, just taking in the sunset there. Okay, God, you got this. I'll tell you, there's nothing on this earth that recenters me like just being around the bigness of the creation of God. And sitting on the beach recently as our family's been going through some stuff, it's like, he's got this. He's qualified. He's interested. It's okay. He, he's painting that sunset right now. He's got it all under control. He's qualified and interested. The God who supplies the earth with rain. Do you know that the amount of rain that falls around the earth on any given year is enough to fill half a million Empire State buildings? It's a lot. That's a lot of detail. That's a lot of power that God is saying, okay, now, not now. Rain, don't rain. Lord, we can use a little right now. Rain, God's over it. He's qualified. He's interested. Verse 9, he provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. Interested. God is interested in you. Do you know that Matthew, uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew, right, that we're much more valuable to him than the birds, and yet he takes care of them. So how much more interested is God in your heart than in taking care of some cattle and some ravens when they call. The problem is some of us, we haven't called. We haven't called. We haven't said, God, heal my heart. We haven't said, God, touch me in those deep places where only you can, where I've been trying to put Band-Aids or, or I've been poisoning it and making it worse. God, would you bring healing to my heart? He's interested. Verse 10, his pleasure is not in the strength of the horse nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. God doesn't delight in the strong, guys. Doesn't delight in the tough exterior and the nobody could hurt me and the I'm good and the nah, there's no issue in my heart. He delights in those who fear him. And the better translation of that word is revere him or be in awe of him. And I love that it says here that, that he delights in those who put their hope in his unfailing love. He delights in those, you and I, who will, who will come to him and say, God, I so desperately need you. Uh, my hope is you, God. My hope is not sex. My hope is not in a drink or in a drug or in food or in shiny new stuff. My, my hope is you, God, in your unfailing love. He's qualified, guys. He's interested in you. Verses 16, 17, and 18. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. I just love that. I love those pictures because you got God so powerful in one, in one part saying, okay, let's send some snow, let's send some hail, let's send that, uh, that, that icy frost, and then I'm just going to send my word and all that gets melted. I just love the power in that. You know, like sometimes late January I can use a few more words of God melting the snow, right? Like, all right, Lord, I can't stand your icy blast anymore. If you could just send a word about the hamlet of center reach, it's just nigh of the good steer. If you could send some melty words that way, get rid of some of this winter wonderland, that'd be awesome. But, but here's God just so qualified and so interested in all the details. And if he's interested in the snow, 
He's interested in your heart. How much more? Did, did Jesus give his life for the snow? Did he give his life for the rain or the clouds or the ravens or the cattle? No, he did that for you and for me. He's qualified and he's interested. He, he stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. Just the power over creation. The, he's down on the south shore crashing those waves right now. And then I want to look back actually at verse 3. We purposefully skipped verse 3 because I kind of wanted you to just see how qualified and interested God is. And then I wanted to see you to see that he cares about your heart. Verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So he cares about all that other stuff. He cares about all of creation. He's, he's bringing Israel back. He's bringing the exiles back, the ca- captives back. He's, he's, he's great. He's powerful. He's into all that. But your heart, is on his heart. Your heart is on his mind. He's qualified to mend your heart. He's interested in bringing those broken places back together. The Hebrew word for heals and for binds up here means to mend, means to cure, to repair, to make whole. And that's what God wants to do in your heart today. This God that tells rain when to come and when to stop. This God that takes care of all the birds flying out there today. Interested in you. Interested in the broken places of your heart. Capable, qualified, desiring to take pieces that have been falling apart maybe for many years and put them back together. And you know what? There's a great question that maybe some of you are thinking about right now, and the question is this. But if I'm the one who led to the circumstances that my heart would be broken, then why would God think I'm worthy of healing it? Right? Some of you are in the room, you're going, Doug, I would love all this, and and, and I would totally run to God and ask him to heal my heart if it weren't for the fact that I'm the reason my heart's broken. I made all these wrong decisions that led to the brokenness of my heart. I have great news for you. You see, the whole reason the people of Israel were taken captive was because of their own sin. They were disciplined in Babylon for 70 years, and the God that's in your life and in my life brought them back. And the psalmist is now writing, hey, I just want you to know God heals the brokenhearted. But, but wait a minute, psalmist. Wasn't it your people's sin that caused the brokenness of your heart? Yeah. But I just want you to know that he binds up our wounds. But you sinned. Yeah, but... God still heals the brokenhearted, even when we cause our own pain. And so no one in this room, Christian, non-Christian, has to continue to walk with holes in our heart. Rather, we can have hearts that are made whole. What I want you guys to see today, and we're going to dive more into this next week, but what I want you to see today is that God is qualified and interested in healing your heart. That's the desire of his heart is that you be healed, is that you stop walking around broken, that you stop turning to things that are broken, that broken things stop flying out of your life and my life because we just simply haven't dealt with those broken places of our heart. He's qualified. He's got what it takes and more. And he's interested. He loves you so much. I love how it says in Romans 8 that God gave his son up for us all, right? And then it says, will he not graciously give us all things? If he did not withhold Jesus from you and from me, if he did not withhold Jesus from going up, being crucified on a cross, do you think he's going to withhold putting back the pieces of 
our broken hearts. So I'm sitting on uh, the mountain on the men's retreat this year. And our speaker is talking about those broken places in our heart. And he begins to talk about how things like anger come flying out of us. And just really begin to ask the question, like, have you ever stopped just to ask why that happens? And, and wh- why those things come out of us when we get upset? And, and maybe for you it's not anger. Maybe, again, like I said, it's, it's gossip or it's unforgiveness. Or maybe it's not so much the things that come out of you, but it's the things that you turn to. But here's what I began to realize is that rather than bringing those broken places in my heart to God to let him bring healing, my approach was always just, eh, just push it aside. You know, some people take it and they, they, they squash it down deep, right? I think my approach was more just, yeah, that really hurt, but I'm just going to kind of pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, that really wounded me, that really tore me up, but I'm just going to pretend because I just like to laugh so much and I like to just have a smile on my face so much and I just like to have fun so much that, that I don't really want to deal with that. That could probably take some work, that probably take some effort, and I'm just going to kind of pretend it never happened. And, and so there'd be times when I'd be somewhere and I'd be embarrassed by somebody or something or someone would say something that wounded me deeply and my wife would come to me later and say, hey, you okay? Of course I'm okay, I'm good. Hey, why wouldn't I be okay? And that was 15 years of our marriage. Just, I'm all right. I'm okay. It, it didn't hurt. I, I'm a tough guy, you know? I mean, that kind of stuff doesn't get through. And then I'd get upset about something and Instead of the person that wounded me getting the brunt of my anger, my wife would, or my kids would, or a coworker would, or someone who upset me in the moment. And since the men's retreat, I've just started to bring to God the brokenness of my heart, and I've started to name things from 20 years ago. God, that killed me when that teacher said that in front of the whole class. God, that really hurt when so-and-so said that. God, that really hurt when somebody betrayed my trust. God, that really hurt when I was rejected. By that person. God, I remember so vividly what that person said about my physical appearance as a kid. God, I'm just going to bring you these places in my heart. I'm going to stop pretending they didn't happen. I'm going to stop pretending I'm just okay because I like to laugh and make jokes. Instead, God, I'm going to bring these places in my heart to you. And I've started to also do it when new things happen. When, when somebody, you know, last week said something, I just, God, that, that killed me, God. God, that hurt so badly. God, would you... Bring healing to the brokenness in my heart. Instead of pretending it's not happening, instead of pretending that it didn't hurt, I'm going to bring it to you. Because God, you heal the brokenhearted. God, you're qualified and you're interested. Yeah, it was just some dumb thing somebody said. And I know you have like wars and famines to worry about, but God, I know you care about me too. And I know you care about these deep places in my heart that are, are just crushing me right now. And I just wonder today how many of us have pushed it aside or shoved it down deep. And out of us comes anger that we would never want to come out of us at people that we really love. Unforgiveness that we just can't let go of. Sex that we continue to grab at because we so badly think it's going to fill some of the holes in our heart. drink, an addiction, a food, a thing that we keep on kind of ramming down in there trying to cover up those broken places. And I'm just telling you there's a better way. I can tell you that in the two months since the men's retreat that I've been bringing these things to God, that I've seen a difference in my life. 
I've seen a difference in the way that I respond to my wife, to my kids, to people that may hurt me. To people that maybe didn't hurt me, like they so often are not the ones that even caused the wound in the first place, but maybe the ones that I would take it out on. I've, I found myself pulling coworkers aside and saying, you know what? The way I responded to you today wasn't right, and I'm sorry for that. And you know what? When, when I'm sitting on the men's retreat, I remember looking at the speaker, and he's talking about what God did in his life, and I remember just sort of like thinking, okay, well, maybe this is the beginning of a process, and I'm going to bring this to God, and you kind of wait for like something to happen. You kind of wait for like, I don't know, like a lightning bolt to hit you or like a, the clouds to part and Jesus begin to speak down to you or this big thing. And I have to tell you, as I've brought the pain in my heart to God, there haven't been any moments like that. And yet I see a difference in him. And so I just wonder if for you the same would be true. That, that certainly there are some maybe places in your heart that are so broken you need to talk with somebody about it. You need to sit with somebody like my wife and, and, and work through some deep things that God needs to put back together. But, but I can tell you that the place to start is definitely in a conversation with God. And for some of you, just you and him is going to be enough. For some of you, you're going to need more than that. And that's okay. God gives us each other so that we can be real with each other. And scripture talks about how we confess one to another for healing, right? And so that's okay and that's great. But I can tell you the place to start is by bringing those broken places in your heart to God, saying, God, I believe you're qualified, and I believe you're interested. And maybe that's where some of us have struggled. We haven't brought those places in our heart because we just haven't thought God could do anything about it, which is a qualified issue, and others of us have just thought he's really not all that interested. I'm not telling you that he's both here today. And today we're going to look at why Jesus is the best person in the whole world to put our hearts back together. But for today, I just want us to start by saying, this week, I'm going to carve out some time. And I'm going to sit and be just me and God. I'm going to say, God, when I was 10, the way that kid rejected me has stuck with me. And I'm going to ask you, God, to bring healing. God, when I was 17, and I was made fun of in front of everybody, or I was rejected when I asked that person out, or God, I'm asking you for healing. Or God, when I was 25, or God, when I was 30, or some of you, God, when I was 60, God, when I was 65, God, Losing my parent, losing my spouse, losing my child. God, put the pieces back together. I can't pretend it didn't happen anymore. I can't push it away. I can't shove it down. I'm going to stop letting broken things come out of me. I'm going to stop turning to broken things. Instead, I'm going to turn to you. Because, God, you are qualified and interested in healing my heart. Let's pray. So, Lord, we thank you so much, God, that you desire for our hearts to be whole. We walk around with holes in our heart, but you desire our hearts to be whole. And God, I just pray that you would let this be the beginning of a process of healing in our lives. God, I think every, probably, probably every one of us in this room today have some broken places that need healing. Some of us, it's, it's more obvious than others. Some of us walked in, like I said, broken, desperate, and some of us walked in and it was, hey, it was just another Sunday and it's going to be a great day and we're good. And, and as I've been talking, maybe you've been bringing up some places in people's hearts that so badly need hope. And God, we're so thankful that you are qualified and interested. We're so thankful, God, that the one who calls every star out by name desires to put the pieces of our hearts back together. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you bring your heart to God? Would you specifically begin to name those things that have broken you, 
And would you ask God to begin to heal you? And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you heard me talk about what Jesus did for you. You heard me talk about the fact that God loved us so much that his son came to die in our place. And and as I said, next week we're going to talk about why Jesus is the most qualified and the most amazing person to put our hearts back together. But today, we would love for you to put your trust in Jesus because he sustains those who are broken. He heals and mends the broken hearted. And so if you want to put your trust in Jesus today, it's not about this prayer. It's, it's about your trust in him. It's about your faith in him. But here's a way to start a conversation with God and begin a relationship with him. Maybe just quietly say something like this. Jesus, please forgive me for the sin in my life. Thank you so much for dying in my place. Thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you, God, that you are qualified to change my life and you're interested in me. God, would you put the pieces of my broken heart back together? I thank you for this gift of salvation in your name.